I think we have our first bot uh, to join us. <laughs> Tobio says, I'm very lonely and I need friends. Can you accompany me? Video call here. I'm so sorry you're lonely. I'm so sorry you need friends. We can't accompany you right now. But what I will say, if you want to uh, join a fantastic community, you can join Laughing Vikings. In fact, when you join right now, when you join the casting crew, you can get $297 in special new member bonuses, including a free audition session, a free acting workshop, and $150 discount off a demo reel package from Wicked Tree Creative. And uh, what's the other thing? A Zoom workout pass from 30 Minute Daily, where you can do Zoom workouts with them. So go to laughingvikings.com slash join. So that's the answer for you, uh, robot lady. I assume she's a robot. I assume all those people are robots when they send, send us those links. Hey, hey, my friends, I'm Lars Classington, host of Laughing Vikings Live and founder of LaughingVikings.com. I am pumped to be your high-vibe chat shit captain today. I believe that every day we can use our creative gifts with intention and purpose to have more fun while pushing ourselves to grow and rising to life's challenges. I believe that everyone can turn dreams from delusions to reality, and you can be the writer, director, and star of your own extraordinary life. That's why I started my company, LaughingVikings.com. It's an online community of creators and digital media production platform where you get me plus the world's best actors, artists, comedians, creators, dreamers, and entrepreneurs working with you live every week, sharing our knowledge, keeping you motivated and accountable, encouraging you to share your gifts, create your best content, and turn passions to profits all while finding the connection and the meaning of life we all desire. If you're not a member yet, go to laughingvikings.com and join our worldwide cast and crew of dreamers. For less than a buck a day, you get access to the world's best live every week, plus VIP access to all our digital media production services. Let's face it, you're probably tired of bugging family and friends for help, and maybe you realize you could use some expert guidance an inspired community, and some life-changing tools to help you reach the next level of your own artgasm. Join the cast and crew at laughingvikings.com and let's turn delusions to reality together. Now it's time for today's show. Interact, ask questions, and take some notes. And be sure to share this episode out with three of your creative friends. The world could use a little more positivity. So be that person for free friends who are just like you, a person who's committed to turning their own dreams to reality, and be sure to tag and DM us on Instagram, at Laughing Vikings, and connect and say hi. Now it's time to start the show. Yes, Monday Fun Day is here once again. It is upon us. This is the last episode of April. Next week, in words of NSYNC, it's going to be May, and uh, here we are with Dirty 30 episode. Number 30, we've got a huge one today. we got a special one. This is a little different. Normally, we have actors, comedians, the talent in front of the camera. we got someone who's behind the camera, and this is going to be an episode mainly talking about editing, but mainly in the context of actor demo reels. I'm Lars, of course, here in the studio at LVHQ. And we got the uh, first mate, BK Broiler, a.k.a. Brandon Knox here. How you doing, Brandon? 
I am doing fantastic, Lars. It was a good weekend. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm ready for this week. All right. It's good to go. Yes. Yeah. This is a milestone here. Number 30. That's yeah. Uh, that's a good bank of uh, of content we got going on here. Yeah, we're really starting to pull things together. It's really, yeah, right. it's really been nice after that podcast week last week, and now now oh, we're yeah. we're yes. feeling it. Yes, we just came off podcast week, and if you're like, "What was podcast week?" You probably saw it all week long. I was only posting about podcasting. We showed all of the back episodes, thumbnails from back episodes, clips from episodes. Uh, so thank you for tuning in for podcast week last week. And now we're going to soldier on forward. Thank you for mm -hmm. watching. You may be watching right now on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, or on Twitch. Of course, you can listen and subscribe on all podcast platforms. And if you're with us right now watching live, be sure to let us know in the comments where you're watching from. We love to know what city you're from. And throughout the episode, be sure to ask any questions. If you've got questions for Brandon or myself, about Laughing Vikings or acting in general. And especially if you have any questions for our guests later in the episode, be sure to type those and we'll bring you up on screen. Remember, it's very interactive here. We're doing some cool stuff. We got Jim Tooby, the Tubinator. He's uh, in the house as always here. There he is. Hey, he says, hey, you too. And then he also says, uh, I'm on YouTube because I'm old. I don't know about that. <laughs> No, if you were on like MySpace or ICQ or MSN Messenger, I would call you old. I think uh, YouTube's still a hip spot to be. But thank <laughs> you, Tubinator. One of our, uh, I think he's quickly becoming, should he be president of the fan club? Yes. I believe yes, he's 100%. He missed one week and he like sent me an apology. He was like, so sorry, I couldn't make it last week. And we are keeping track, Jim. So please uh, <laughs> make sure. Uh, but uh, throughout the episode, be sure to type in your comments. And for those of you who are actors, if you're looking for a demo reel, I know that's something that's always um, a thorn in people's sides, the dilemma of needing a demo reel to get work, but needing work to get a demo reel. This episode is for you. Mm -hmm. And if you stick around to the end, you're going to hear about a fantastic demo reel package deal that's exclusive for people who are in the LV Laughing Viking circle where you can get one hell of a deal for a fantastic demo reel from Wicked Tree from our guest today. So with that being said, maybe we should uh, transition into guest time. You ready for guest time here, uh, Brandon? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first, as we like to do, we're going to roll a clip uh, before we bring them on. So mm -hmm. we got a clip here. Our guest today is editor and director and actor demo reel guru, Adam Barnick, who is also the CEO of Wicked Tree Creative. And we're going to roll the clip. Whoop. Roll the clip.
There we have it, ladies there and gentlemen. Go. Without any further ado, we got to bring him on here. Our special guest for episode Dirty 30, originally from the good old US of A. He is now immigrated to Vancouver, joining us from the west of Canada. Editor, director, actor, demo reel guru, Adam Barnicki. everybody. Clap him in. There he is. Hey, guys. Hey, oh. hey. Welcome I get to start a week with a pair of Vikings. That's, that's about, about as badass as it gets. There you go. And we haven't, uh, nor will we, chop any limbs off. So we're the nice <laughs> laughing Vikings. We're not those killer Vikings. Not those aggressive yet. types. Right, no, right, right. Yet. You're hey, in terms of career momentum. That's it, right? Right. <laughs> How are you on this uh, fine Monday afternoon here, Monday fun day? I'm good. It's, it's like the 14th month of March 2020. And, you know, it feels a little bit different than the previous one, but we'll see how this is all going to turn out. But I'm good. I'm good. Right. I'm excited to, uh, to finally get to talk to you guys at length. You're like my brother. He's just like, to him, it's not 21. Uh, it's not 2021. It's like day 423 of 2020 is how he's still keeping track. of. Yeah. Things, so. Yeah. And my phone is autocorrecting social distancing to sexual Dostoevsky. It's like, it's just that kind of week. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you exactly? What part? I know you're in and around Vancouver. Are you? Um, no, I'm straight in Vancouver. I mean, right what's known as the West End, which is near Stanley Park. And so I'm sort of, I'd say smack dab in the middle, but not exactly geographically in the middle, but I feel like I'm an hour from everything. But, uh, I was in East Van when I moved here, and now I'm in the West End. Nice. Moving on up. Good yeah. for you. All righty. Well, we're going to throw you to the wolves immediately here, Adam. As we, we do, I'm in. As we do every week, the first part um, of the show, for anyone who doesn't know you, I know you. We're going to get talking uh, about that later on and about your work in film and TV and editing mm -hmm. and directing and demo reels. But for those that don't know you, this section of the show is called The One minute life story brandon's going to throw a timer up on the screen and you've got one minute you can go from conception all the way to now you can go a little into the future if you want but you got one minute to do it this is adam barnick's one minute life story starting now wow i've even got a counter i could stare into space for 20 seconds and then do a tight 40 seconds uh let's see well i wasn't conceived i was hatched and uh, i grew up in new jersey uh next to a wildlife nature preserve. So I was surrounded by really atmospheric, freaky trees and empty spaces. And it felt like Halloween all the time. And I actually credit the neighborhood I grew up in with more artistic inspiration than even the movies I grew up with. Uh, I, by the end of high school, knew I wanted to move into film. I wasn't quite sure position-wise. Um, and while I still do a lot of directing, and I'd say that's the ultimate goal, I have found the most confidence and love and certainty in editing. It's informed every other part of my life. Um, I lived in New York for 15 years. I moved to Vancouver to be with my wife, who I met on a film set, uh, who I met on a, it was a scary movie called Grace in Canada many years ago. Uh, things are really good and I've got one second left, so thumbs up. Nice. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, that was Adam Barnick's One Minute Life Story. All wow. right. Welcome. All right. If I can get through that, I can get through the other 50 seconds. Yeah, that's the hot seat. That's the only thing that we've got a timer on there. So the, the okay. rest, yeah. you, can take, you can take as long as you want. We got all night here. So um, you mentioned it a little bit, but uh, why don't you tell us uh, how, how you actually first got started? Like, what was the first thing 
as a filmmaker that you did? I'm assuming you maybe made home movies or or your own little sketches and videos, but yeah, how, yeah. Did, how did you get started as a kid? Camcorder epics in the backyard. Uh, let's you know, fake commercials and just goofing around. And, uh, and let's see. I mean, that's it's really kind of the start that everyone has. And I knew as my friends and I were trying to make longer form more substantial stuff, which now I like laugh out loud thinking of what we thought was going to be, you know, the big time. But it, uh, I really fell in love with the process of everything and prep and just the planning and designing and all aspects of filmmaking. But what was funny is I actually started more grooving towards special effects. That's what maybe got me really attuned to movies was through special effects. And for a couple of years, that's what I thought was the career I was going to go into. I turned out to really be good at mold making and, and not much else in that. But I also, uh, you know, I would do stuff like paint bruises and scars on people to get out of gym class and school. And I knew <laughs> that, that the, uh, I was good at bruises, painting fake ones. But, wow. I, but I knew that uh, by the time college rolled around that it was going to just pivot towards filmmaking. And I thought it would only be towards directing, but the the interest in love for and work of editing managed to sort of get neck and neck and stay as far more important than I thought it would be. So you in high school, like your buddies, you would paint bruises like they got in a fight. So then they'd go to the teacher and be like, I got to go home or I got to go to the hospital. Like leg bruises and stuff. And they're probably not like in a place that you would get that kind of bruise, you know, if you got hit. But I do remember doing several on people to get them out of classes and stuff. Thankfully, you know, they didn't you know, smudge them as they were walking away to go outside and play the rest of the day but that's brilliant and was this a commercial endeavor were you charging for these services back no it's just like i was learning it and getting a kick out of messing around and so i would have like the kit at school sometimes and did uh, teachers I, know that you were the one that was doing it by the end or no, did I they mean, know I I, there weren't like 70 kids getting out of gym because they all looked like <laughs> a knee injury but it, it i just I, I that sticks in my mind because it was the one sort of makeup effects thing that i got really good at uh, and when I moved, when I was in New York City for film school, I worked on a, a vampire theater troupe and I was the effects assistant. So I would like be mixing blood in my bathtub like it was some sort of like dime store gin or something like that and uh, bringing it to set and making little tubing things. I was a better effects assistant than I was an effects guy. But by then I knew I was just going to pivot entirely towards film and, and movie making. And I still you know, like effects, but it's funny because now you, now I get why they want to do them all digitally just to save time <laughs> because it's always for something to break and go wrong and need hours and hours and hours to reset. And I, I love the visual of you in a bathtub full of blood and be like, don't go in the bathroom, nothing to see there to your yeah, landlords like and your roommates. Like which would be entirely dyed red, just like. <laughs> yeah, you're like mixing it. Yeah, <laughs> doing a little chant while you do it. I couldn't afford. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, why didn't I have a big spoon? But I would think it was the the particular colors in it. They blended better if you really, really like did this with the syrup, the corn syrup that you'd be mixing stuff in. You couldn't just like say throw it in a blender and, and make the stuff the right way. You know? Sure, that's the reason. The real reason is you're just a freak and you wanted to get your hands all bloody and your smile all over your face. Uh, like, thankfully, uh, I. Lord of the Flies style, you know. Um, one of the one of my favorite things about meeting people in film and, and TV and hearing their origin stories 
is dating ourselves with the tech. Because when I was in school, I remember shooting on a big handy cam with VHS, and then we would edit from two VCRs. We'd buy a blank VHS, and we were cutting and snipping with with a, like the most basic stuff, and there was like snow on the screen still. Mm -hmm. what, what tech were you using? What's the earliest tech you use as a filmmaker? Uh, yeah, it would probably be the VHS and then like those mini DV tapes. I remember, uh, I don't know nothing earlier than that. I remember seeing a Super 8 camera at a flea market and getting it thinking like, oh, I'm gonna go so old school and it didn't work. And I had no way to get that kind of film. It's, it's funny that now you can actually it's easy to get. It feels like there's been such like an old school renaissance of that kind of stuff. And you can get like more professional super eight cameras, but yeah, no, I would probably be close to where you are in terms of like just VHS right. and, and not even editing between two VCRs. I remember just trying to shoot it in order and just time it just right. Turning the camera on and off. <laughs> right. It wasn't until school film school that I got to actually really like edit with any sort of anything. And you know, Film editing was phasing out, but I remember getting a hold of older machines just because I wanted, because it was so like cool to see those people like cutting and taping and splicing like it was like more like woodworking instead of like just pushing buttons on a computer. So I got to try it, but uh, you know, I never really got to spend a lot of film edit time. And, but what was cool is I did use a lot of like these big video decks. It wasn't VHS, it was like three quarters video which was like slightly higher quality and you could have like two tracks of audio i think one track of video and you still had to cut it in order but you could like erase one shot like if you screwed up shot six you could redo it but you couldn't go back and redo shot one hmm. uh so the fact that you had so few choices did bring a lot of interesting discipline and you really had to think about the timing because you couldn't just throw it in and then adjust it was like get it right or leave it half-assed or start over so when it got to the point of actually having like my own like post thing, you know, with like Final Cut Pro and like an old Mac G4 or something in my home, I was almost paralyzed at first because I was like, I have infinite choices. Like, it did, you know, I was weird. Now you get why someone could spend, you know, 11 years on like a short form thing because you don't have to ever stop. You know, you just have to kind of walk away from it. But the, so it took a while to to not be freaked in a way by the possibility of being endless. But I will say that initial discipline did help me because I did become much more decisive and can cut fast and won't spend all day trying to figure out one shot and try it 12 different ways. I think, but you just get better at year after year at your craft at seeing what works and what you need and what's not right. serving the scene and why, why this should be there and why this shouldn't. So you can explain to other people and, mm -hmm. you know, you just get better at, hitting that ball you know right yeah right brandon you want uh you got a, a question locked and loaded there yeah so adam what was your first paid gig and was it as a director or was it as an editor um or was it as a as a special effects guru no no the the effects was really just like high school going into college and then it just became like I maintained an interest in it, but I didn't actually try to continue to do it. I think I remember one year, a few years after that, I worked in a bookstore and they needed a Halloween display. So I like cast my own head in like a screaming position and just stuck the mold on the wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> paid gig, I gotta think. I'm certain it was editing and it might've even been 2009. I had broken in a, a bit into the film industry a few previous years with a short film I'd made, but I, that was just, 
self done and it had been distributed by a studio, but it wasn't, it was really, you know, you were getting the exposure. You, you weren't paid for it. I wasn't paid commission to make it or anything. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to say it was soon after that I had started doing behind the scenes documentaries for short films and other films. And I had done it on a short for a friend of mine. I had met when my short narrative film had come out and gotten distribution. He had one there too. And then he was getting ready to do a, a short film that would lead to a feature version of that short film. Mm -hmm. I did a behind the scenes for the short, just as a lark. He just asked me and I was like, I think I can do that. And then um, it proved so popular and successful in helping him with the road to the feature that I came on board to do the features, special features. So like, and I think at this point, they're probably still just on the Blu-ray. They wouldn't be on like iTunes or anything like that. But I did, you know, an hour and a half of supplementary material. Mm -hmm. Six docs on the disc and five were mine really intensively crafted and I was able to shoot all the B-roll for it. The funny thing is that is probably my first paid gig, which, you know, I was directing these documentaries, but I feel that's different than a narrative director. But, you know, I was shooting it, editing it. And that was actually the first Canadian job, funny enough, that I did. I They shot in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. and very few Americans were going to come up and do it. It was mostly just going to be the local crew that working on it but they finagled getting me up there for the last week of shooting to get all the footage I wanted and needed for what they needed. And it ended, and I met the woman who became my wife on that set. So there was lots of amazingness all seated in that very first gig. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Way to shout out to Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah. Was in, uh, Regina, the city that rhymes with fun and they used to make there <laughs> than they do now. And, uh, you know, they were, they were really rocking and rolling for a time. That was 2008 when we shot the movie. And then How long did it take to shoot the documentary? Um, well, I was only there. I think the movie had a 17 or 18 day schedule and I was there for, I'd like to say the last six or seven days. Okay. Um, I did interviews in that time and shot whatever I could on set just for the last week. So any, yeah, nothing from the beginning of the shoot was covered unless maybe like one of the local guys did it and, and I never saw that footage. Okay. Um, and I had probably maybe six weeks to put all that stuff together down the road. Mm -hmm. And you were busy courting your future wife. So you were. Well, no, we were just friends. Yeah. I mean, we hit it off on set. And I was like, who is this super cool, cute, awesome person? And But, you know, you'd think, oh, well, this person lives in another country. So don't. We'll just be friends. And But we cultivated a friendship for many years that then became more than that. And we've been married two and a half years now. So nice, congrats. Uh, we have got some big news here. Uh, you want to throw that comment up, uh, mm -hmm. Brandon, from Peter? We have our first hater. Peter says this guy made a trailer for my short film that was like ten times better than my actual film. So I hate him forever. <laughs> like when the remix is better than the original song. Well, it's oh. funny. I know this guy. This guy's amazing, actually. And he, if, if actors are watching, need to look for a podcast that Filmmaker Magazine does called Back to One. Peter interviews some of the top actors in the world uh, every week. And he, it's not interview EPK bullshit. It's just talking the work. And right. actors love him for that. And like I've learned more about working with actors from two years of his podcast than I did at school. You know, amazing. Say the name one, one more time of the podcast. Uh, it's back to one with Peter Rinaldi. And I love he's joking about this trailer for the short because back when we were growing up or in school, 
we joked about when they would make teasers for trailers and teasers for teasers to trailers. We used to do that as a joke, and now that's standard, you know? Right. <laughs> They're like the teaser for Mortal Kombat, for the teaser for the trailer for Mortal Kombat is going to launch next week, and it's one shot. And then, like, eventually you work your way up. And now they do that all the time. I'd like to think right. we help them, you know, originate that. Right. Yeah, you started it. Well, shout out to Peter Rinaldi. Uh, and remember, if you're watching right now or if you're listening, when you tune in live, you can ask questions, you can throw your comments, you become part of a show. So, Peter, this this might be your biggest shout out ever. I'm sure that we're going to this thing. If wrong, I hate him. <laughs> we're going to drive millions of new listeners to your podcast. But thank you for tuning in and uh, checking out Adam here. So um, now let's transition into talking about Wicked Tree. How did Wicked yeah. Tree, uh, how was that spawn and born? Okay, um, well, there's always been a Wicked Tree films. Like every, since the short film that was my first little break, which was a, an experimental horror film called Mainstream. That's the one that was released on DVD around the world and is now online. And that's what got everything started for me. That was sort of the first post-film school project. Um, and everything since then has had Wicked Tree films on it as like my production company. Wicked Tree Creative is is new it's actually just from last year i mean when i moved here to vancouver the permanent residency process which once you get it you can move anywhere you can work anywhere you can travel freely you know assuming there was no covid now <laughs> uh that it, it takes a long time and it takes longer than we thought and you can't work during it so it was a very financially stressful time just trying to coast on savings and my wife's savings and what are we going to do and and at the beginning of last year, I was really like just in a huge rut because it was just like, how long is this going to take? What are we going to do for you know, finances? And because uh, I couldn't work here or there, really. Um, and there's a place on Facebook. There's a, a group called Dream Maker. I think it's just hashtag Dream Maker. And it's run by this awesome guy, Charles Wrestler. And he pairs people up. He's basically like a network of like people and resources. And he asks people, what's what's their dream? and Someone could be like, I've always wanted to make a kid's book. And he's will put out a call and then someone's like, well, I'm an illustrator or I know a publisher. And like, he's not about fundraising. He's just about helping you get tools. And my wife put up a post that was something like, you know, I think it was her, it was her dream for me at the moment would be to get some paid editing work, but it wasn't said in like that kind of, you know, silly her, way. Just, she knew dream. how much. Was that her dream? I said her dream for you was to get out of the house and off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she saw saw how much, you know, when you're productive, your morale goes soaring. And when you're waiting, it does not, you know, so, um, you know, and I wasn't, that's not something I would have posted because at that time I got confidence was really hurting because it's like you just, I was just answering freelance ads. And since I've posted ads to get other editors and tech people like onto my company, I've seen like, you know, you'll get 600 emails in one day. It's, it can really just be like throwing a dart shot in the darkest to whether even someone opens your email and them goes through all your stuff and decides if you're a good fit. Cause after it's easy to get fatigued after 175 demos in a day, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but after she posted that, they, uh, somebody within like 20 minutes wrote and was like asked to see stuff of mine and wanted to know more about me. It was this amazing human being. There's a business guru, filmmaker, entrepreneur. Her name was Rebecca Renee. She works out of the Bay Area in in Canada, in California. Uh, and she helped teach people how to like 
scale and expand what they want to do into businesses and just promote themselves and knows everything about marketing. And she was kind of like, let's schedule a phone call. And if, if we click, I'll help him. And we were like, well, we have no money. And she was going to do it just to, to contribute. Um, and to see, you know, I guess like my stats start to improve and just, just uh, be grateful to her for the rest of my life. But she, we met online like once a week for a couple of months and discussed what I wanted to do. And like, here's my goals as more like personal creative filmmaking. Here would be my goals if like I could just be editing. And we basically settled on coming up with a, which it was gonna be part in-person, part remote. And now and for the foreseeable future, it's remote uh, post company which would mainly be editing because that would be the thing I had the most expertise in, but also like motion graphics, like audio, uh, color grading done, uh, you know, all remotely. And we figured this out and I slowly made it basically like the side arm of Wicked Tree Films, which is Wicked Tree Creative, which has evolved into its own. It's, it's still in its, you know, youthful stage. I mean, we only started it last year and, right in the middle of the pandemic, which, you know, is awesome or foolish, depending on how you look at it. But everything's gone remote. So you can't tell me you need to open, you know, a, an actual office in midtown Manhattan because no one will come to it right now, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, we launched Wicked Tree Creative last year. And you know, on one hand, it was, it's a way to have rebranded myself as a company instead of just Joe freelance editor. But it was also a way that I could put out a call for, you know, some of the best motion graphics artists, other junior editors, colorists, audio, like I have a good ear, but I don't know. I couldn't mix your movie on my own, you know? Um, but I have put out calls and have access to people who can do that. You know? So it's like, as, as our projects expand, I have a team ready to work like that. Mm -hmm. And they've really stepped up remote collaboration in the past year because they've had no choice. So there's ways to work as heavily with a client as you want to, or as hands off as you want to, I, you know, and uh, Wicked Tree Creative is the company that does that. Uh, you know, we'll probably alter and expand some more once the pandemic is totally over with where we could actually go places and meet in person. But there's enough ways to collaborate, even in perfect real time now, that uh, we can safely get things done, you know, into an incredible professional degree. And it helps the right people as a company that instead of just being like Joe, the freelancer, you know, cause it's just, I guess it's our mindset. We just respond different and better to, you know, you think to a full company instead of, you know, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'd say 90% of what we have done is, has just been me doing it, but I have brought in other collaborators. And then as we expand or as the projects are bigger, uh, we've got everyone ready to go. Mm -hmm. Do you think, um, like all, all the new remote things and, and working via Zoom and through Google and WeTransfer and all these remote ways to do things. Do you think, is it end up being more efficient? Like, would you go like to not have to go to an office, to not have to worry about travel time or, or in-person meetings? Um, how do you feel about the change going back? Like, would you, like, is it going to settle in the middle somewhere or? I think it's going to settle in the middle somewhere. I think, um, especially because, you know, it, it any company that has survived the past year is going to have to stay cut back for a while. I was just talking with an editor earlier today who has been doing remote assistant editing work for a television show. 
and you know we don't know exactly yes we see like there's a hope on the horizon with the vaccine and all that but it's like we're not out of the woods yet i'd say it's going to be at least another year year and a half before i think it'll be a hybrid because you can't say like oh the job wasn't done well because i couldn't sit in the room because we can change it so there are programs so you can literally sit in the room and watch it with no lagging you know depending on what your budgets and resources are or you know you can send people a file and through frame io or like vimeo i think is doing it just added a thing now where you can put comments on each moment you know oh interesting Nice. Instead so of like, just having to be a call and be like, you know that shot with the sunset? Can you fix that? You know, it's like, so you can get very, very specific. Um, and we'll adapt as we need to. But I, for now, it's it's still, you know, you can't travel borders or you can't do it. We just, it, it, you know, it's looking better. But for now, there's no reason to change back. But, I, but even before that, when I started really getting researching this, I found like post companies that aren't even in New York and LA in the States that are have the most high profile clients you've seen and they pride themselves on doing stuff remotely. They even will like do, do live color grading. They'll calibrate it a tablet, send it to the client. So he, they don't have to fly to like Atlanta or wherever the place I'm thinking of exactly was. And you can watch your color be done in real time with the exact, you don't not having the problem where like our, our monitor is going to match, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. We haven't done oh, something. Okay, so it's sort of like Google Drive where you can edit and someone else can watch you edit at the same time, kind of, right? There's a couple of, I haven't tried it yet, but there's a program, Evercast, which apparently is like the best in terms of like real time, no latency, huh. down to the milliframe type thing, you know, without any kind of delay. Uh, yeah. So I guess it depends on what you and your client are needing and what you're willing to spend. But yeah, it can be like their people are really in in the room with you versus just do it on your own and then send it over and see what you think. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I didn't realize that was a, that was a thing they had developed. That's, that's amazing. Well, it had been around for a while as I understand it. And now I think they bumped up its capabilities even more and they've also been dropping the price more. So more people can do it. It's not just the people who used to work at the studio who now work at home. It could be, you know, just about anybody as long as you have that budget. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's I think great. we've got another clip here. We want to show some of Wicked Tree's handiwork. You want to roll the next clip? Yep, let's do roll it. Roll the clip. Clearly, we don't have that software that has zero <laughs> That was the slow motion version, but uh, for the viewers here, obviously, we'll hook up um, Adam's links to Wicked Tree in the show yeah. notes. So yeah, you, there's, can, you can see that without any lagging. Um, you can, well, you did add a lot of suspense to that in my director's reel because it's like not only what happens next, but are we ever going to get to the next shot? Right. Yeah, we want to stretch, <laughs> stretch it out a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Also, also, I want to bring up a comment here uh, real quick. This has never happened before. I think we have our first bot uh, to join us. <laughs> Tobio says, I'm very lonely and I need friends. Can you accompany me? Video call here. I'm so sorry you're lonely. I'm so sorry you need friends. We can't accompany you right now. But what I will say, if you want to uh, join a fantastic community, you can join Laughing Vikings. In fact... When you join right now, when you join the casting crew, you can get $297 in special new member bonuses, including a free audition session, a free acting workshop, and $150 discount off a demo reel package from Wicked Tree Creative. And uh, what's the other thing? A Zoom workout pass from 30 Minute Daily, where you can do Zoom workouts with them. So go to laughingvikings.com slash join. So that's the answer for you. Uh, robot lady i assume she's a robot i assume all those people are robots when they send send us those links but you um, you had a good segue there lars i was i was writing down a time to cut that and i was like all right well you saved it <laughs> there you go there you go yeah we've done this before. there you go um now let's talk about um we talked about wicked tree yeah. uh let's talk about how i came into contact with wicked tree it was very very random I think I came across it just on Instagram. I saw the name Wicked Tree. I've always liked the word wicked. And I have this weird sort of, uh, there's no other way to, it's not a sexual thing, but I call it a fetish. Like a fetish with for, for like dead trees or like silhouettes of trees. And if you, I don't know if we have his logo here, but we'll, we'll link it up. But it's sort of the silhouette of an old mm -hmm. dead tree. Anytime I'm on a hike, if there's like a, a weird tree in the distance, I'm just fascinated by these cool old dead trees because to me, they, they seem like they're imbued with magic or they're like a wizard's tree or something. Maybe, I don't know if it's from like Lord of the Rings, but I saw that and the wicked tree thing really stood out to me. And then uh, I, I, at the time I needed a demo reel. So I reached out with you, Adam, uh, and sort of got to know you a little bit. And we had a few chats and uh, you put together my demo reel uh, last year, so thank you for that. Maybe we'll roll that. We'll see if uh, see if that gets laggy. Let's do that. Ready and that's a bad sign. We're already getting the <laughs> laggy signal. I am so happy to see you. Cut! Survive. Cut! <laughs> there we go. We're gonna cut it. There we go, and we're back here. Yeah, I don't know that it doesn't make sense to, to play that if it's laggy. Uh, we'll worry about the tech no. for next time. I, ha I have the demo real quote video. Uh, that's uh, that that's in a different format, so we can play that. Great. Nope, nope, it will. There it is. There's that old dead tree. I play it quick. Nice. Um, it is. So, yeah, unfortunately, I was hoping to be able to show mine, but um, if we're getting laggy, we won't be able to do that. Uh, but maybe, Adam, can you just talk a little bit about your process of if an actor wants a demo reel, sort of how you structure and if you have a pre-meeting with them and, and how you do that? And then actually as an editor, uh, without revealing your um, your special spices and all your secret sauce, just sort of talk about your process in putting together a killer demo reel for people. 
Okay. Uh, process for creating it, uh, or I guess the process of, of if someone reaches out and they want to talk about it or, you know, get a demo reel, that's the best way to put it. They, uh, I mean, that started because uh, around the time that Wicked Tree Creative was forming, I had started doing demo reels for people I knew or friends of people I knew through like the one you saw in there, that guy, George Gallagher, which is, he might've been the first major demo I had done. And that happened. He was sort of like at a stuck point. And then when he started sending out the new one, he was signed by an agency soon after. And he's been working steady since that particular video was a lot longer than I would do for anyone else now. But it, you know, you didn't watch it and think like, come on, let's see, when is this thing going to end? You know, um, I usually find out what people have because right now, I mean, there are some demo reel services where they're going to go out because they've got a full production company at the ready and they will go out and like film custom scenes for and with you. Um, that's not something I've offered. Maybe that'll be something in the future, but it's, you know, when you can't travel and, and it's pretty risky, that's not really on in the cards for me or my company right now. Uh, but I do talk to people what, what they have. And if they've got a previous reel, I'll check it out. But I usually try to get the uncut clips that they've got. Um, and we talk about what they need, what their goals are. Or usually it's not so heavily specific other than I need a reel. Like I've got this footage. Or I, sometimes it's like I've got one short. Is it worth doing a promo for? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, because it's you can – I had one – actor who had it was she was great and it was a really cool short but it was, that's all she had so far but we still made a really cool reel out of it and it's just shorter and sweeter and no casting guy is gonna say that the reel was too short you know they, they want to get through it and get see what they can hmm. um but usually yeah i just talk through the process of like you know it usually takes this long to do it uh, these are the other sort of custom things i can do and I know you mentioned not revealing too much secret sauce, but one thing that I have become known for is, I mean, because you get a lot of up-and-comers and indies coming to you with their footage, and sometimes they, they're getting the uncompleted film or they're given, like, footage that's missing sound or music or just something's incomplete about it. Or, sadly, sometimes the, the editing hasn't really highlighted them to the best of their ability. And I don't mean like say the focus of the scene was taken off them. I mean, like I go back and watch the full bit and then see what they used. And there's just better ways to show their scene off. I had one person who convinced the director to give them the raw footage of the entire short film that they were in with the blessing of recutting a specific scene to be much more about the actor in question than the other person, which is the original scene. But so I got all the original elements to really play with. But even without having those extra elements, I've been able to take scenes and add more to them, uh, sort of spit and polish them. I mean, just a couple of frames off in some moments can help the flow of the piece. You know, like the performance can be great. And if the cut's not right, you're going to feel like something's not working as well. And that could form a bit of a bias toward that person. So it's like, what are all the tricks that we can do to make these people's work shine? Um, I mean, it's not a very elaborate thing I lay out with how we can work with people, but I also show them what like, we have special packages where like, it depends how much sort of cosmetic work needs to be done on it. Like if you want 
bits and pieces artfully arranged at the way to bring the most attention to your work, that's one thing. You know, if you have stuff that needs me to bring in someone to correct the color and do like a full on real sound mix versus say just little tweaks here and there, that could end up costing more. Um, I'm not quite sure if I'm just going and going or if no, I'm this is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I'll I'll chime in again. I was yeah. hoping that we'd get to see okay. it. Well, I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes and I'll post it on my social media here later tonight so people can check it out. But I really like that you sort of um, you treat a demo reel like a sizzle reel, obviously, but it's it's got to have um, it's got to come across as like a story. So in mine, you you added a little music and it was just kind of real quick smash cut. Okay. Yeah. My three scenes. So uh, I can't we can't actually play Lars's demo reel if we want. You can now. Yeah. All right, let's fire it up again. Thank you. Ready and. <laughs> I am so happy to see you. And what exactly is it you expect us to do out here? Survive. What's wrong with this guy? Hey, listen, open the door. Hey, buddy, open the door. It's not funny. Are you kidding me? You scared us half to death. You beat me half to death? Are you okay? Yeah, I peed a little. I may have ruptured my spleen. Oh, yeah, she's burst. Lucky for me, we got two of them. <laughs> I'll live. <laughs> What's the problem, man? The problem is I don't want my daughter around this. If you ever hurt my daughter, I will rip out your entrails with my bare hands. That goes for all of you. Yeah, real tough now. Leave my family alone. Cast your mind back. What is with the echo? Dramatic effect. We need your help. You want my help with something dangerous? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> there it is. Nice, it, nice. You're gonna tell your fans that you know, at some point soon there'll be a a, a, a more delicious, uh, longer director's cut with some other footage in it too. So right. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. No, sorry, you were about opening. Uh, do you want me to break down what you were talking about about this combining yeah. system and then the yeah. actual? Uh, that's a thing that I mean I don't do that in every demo reel, but it's become popular and it's a thing of and it's funny we were talking about the teasers for the trailers. I was kind of inspired by that. Now, when you go to watch trailer on YouTube, there is like a two or three second sort of taste of it before you really get into the the real deal. So I thought about that and I was like, it might be interesting to take a couple of quick visual highlights with some music of an actor's reel and give a sense of who they are and who they can be before we've even gotten started. Because, you know, casting people are gonna end up scrubbing that reel and just watching pieces too. Um, I've met some who prefer just to go right into the clips and I've seen I mean, some who really love seeing this little like teaser taste beforehand. But uh, that's one thing that I really do spend a lot of time on if people want that is I really get a sense of who this actor is that I'm getting to know and their work. And so those clips have the energy they're bringing, you know, um, right. I wouldn't necessarily make that sort of too actiony if if people were doing very quiet somber dramas you know but yours all your stuff had this sort of intense energy whether you were doing like a criminal or yeah or just being a showman or or an utter clown um 
and I just I've done a lot of temp track spotting in past post production jobs, and so you just get a feel of like what music's out there that has the good a good vibe for this. So like that that born on the bayou moment. That's actually not even the regular song. It's like it's like a remix of it, hmm. and there's only like four or five seconds, so it's not like going to get flagged you know right. it immediately gives like you know your energy you're like this coiled snake you can just be utterly goofy and then at the end i like that we just use something that was much more just like old school show mini like the body right. tune right right um, well, I, I i love that and i i think there is something to say for first impressions and if in that first three to five seconds they get two or three looks and kind of get a sense of you versus having to bank that that first clip really draws draws them in because sometimes an agent or a casting director maybe that first clip doesn't strike them the way that that you would hope but if well, they've seen the little teaser then they're like oh i like that that the glimpse of that character right there when's that coming and they'll kind of hang in there to yeah. see that highlight and when it comes up well, I, the have, point, I guess yeah i mean i still have the responsibility as the editor to make sure that that first clip does make them not want to change their mind you know and that can be all about the timing. It could be like a great three minute scene, but it's like, what are the 20 seconds that you have in there? You know, um, it's all timing, but there's a lot of good, like sort of unseen stuff that I have to do to sometimes to make things flow better. Um, I don't think I really had to do any sort of like audio tricks to help smooth over anything in, in your work. It was really just about timing. And I remember you and I had conversations where like, we left in like a second and a half and then suddenly it felt like the scene didn't work as well. And then we took right. that scene and half, you know, because we're only going to get to see pieces. You know, if we had watched all of that scene in Super Ajabi, you know, it's it's a great scene. So we would be like, yeah, this is really cool. But like, you have to be very, very careful about what you're picking and how you present it, what order it's in. Granted, stuff on a timeline and then that's it. You know, I've seen some really stale demo reels where the people in it are good. But like it's the presentation that's suffering, so it's it just helps to. I mean, anyone can get iMovie, but you know, do you are you putting decades of craft and working with actors? Because I've directed actors, and I'm watching the performance, and I want to be. I have to do everything in my power to make sure I'm highlighting the best parts of the performances, so no one does anything but want to watch that. And mm -hmm. I I do definitely cap limits on. You know, I, two minutes tends to be like the most I'll go these days, but I've got some that were like two fifteen, and the stuff's so compelling that nobody complains about the uh, running time. You know, that original one for George that got him signed with the Paradigm Agency was three and a half minutes. I wouldn't do that again, but it worked for him. You know, mm -hmm. nice. That's great, and that's a great segue into a question that we have from Jim, saying, "How many films have you directed?" Hmm. Um, well, that's hard to say. I mean, it depends if you're going to say narrative films or music videos or documentaries. I haven't done a feature yet. You know, mm -hmm. working towards that. I mean, you would. I would definitely say, you know, I've got like 40, 50 things under my belt, but that's counting uh, short form ads, music videos, uh, short films, and documentaries, which could be you know just straight docs or like making of promos. So 40 something. Nice. That's where I would get uh, almost everything's on IMDb. I'm still adding stuff to there. <laughs> one, one thing I want to share with any actors um, out there, sort of in the market for demo reels, one thing that was another thing that was great working with you, uh, there's a handful of things, but one of them was 
I originally had another uh, clips from another feature in there. And then in talking with the production team, they asked me to kind of keep that on the DL until it was publicly released. Um, and they just didn't want anything out there. So uh, you were gracious enough to go back and re-edit it and kind of pull out a couple clips. And one of the coolest things is there's always a dilemma with actors. We're always waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for, for footage. You, you land a gig and in your head, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the thing that propels me to the next level. This is going to be huge. Wait till they get a load of this. And then you're waiting a year, two, three, four years. That feature that I'm speaking of, we shot it in August of 2017. We did reshoots a year later and now it's 2021. It's still not out there. Um, but one of the services that you provide, uh, I believe you still provide this and correct me if I'm wrong, but anytime within the following year that you build a demo reel for someone, when they get new footage, you'll swap that footage in or cut it in without you. Like you're not going to spend the time to re-edit an entire uh, demo reel, but you'll slice in a segment from the new footage at no extra charge. So in a sense, the, the, I find that the service that you offer is, is sort of similar to like having a demo reel editor on retainer for the year to constantly upgrade. And, and that's huge for actors because a lot of actors are waiting. They know they need a demo reel, but they're like, oh, I might as well wait till I get that footage. And then they get that footage. And then there's one other thing. And they're like, oh, I might as well wait for that. So all this time passes and they have nothing. Whereas with you, they can just jump the gun and bite the bullet and get it done, kind of put their best foot forward right now, knowing that in six or eight months when they get that huge footage. And for me, it's an it's an epic scene with um, with Jason Momoa, an A-lister that I was fortunate enough to do a scene with that I'm waiting to add to mine, which is hopefully going to be a game changer for my reel or at least a, a real cool thing for me to be able to showcase. So. Um, is that something that you've always offered? Because I think that's a, such a huge differentiator for you. Yeah, because I, I think, I mean, some people, you know, you want to be hopefully working enough that you are continually either creating new content or get being in new clips or getting cast a lot. And I have found a lot of people after they've gotten, my reels are getting cast regularly. So usually a couple months later, they've been like, hey, I've just gotten these other things and can we incorporate them? Um, and that is part of what we have been doing and continue to do with the demo reel uh, division in Wicked Tree Creative is we will take extra, you know, if you get a couple other things and you want to add them in, you know, we will just do it. If it was like you wanted the entire thing head to toe recut in a way that doesn't resemble the original edit, we would talk and there might be an additional expense. But more often than not, it's not hard for me to add one thing, swap one thing out. And I, it sometimes isn't just a cut and paste thing. Like I always mentioned, like demo reel editing is not just throwing all the stuff on a timeline. So I, it still needs the subtle finessing and care and grace to make sure all the clips are going to flow correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and, but yeah, we do still, you know, do that. And like, you know, you're, I'm waiting for your clip too, because then we can just, it's going to be a really strong lead off. Right. And, yeah. and this clip that you said that this, this, you know, crime film, which, you know, We've got this. We already have a nice, cool, expanded demo reel for you going to launch soon. But those, it's not just I just snipped off one shot, and that's the difference between the two reels. I mean, there is super subtle differences, but you know, they both need to flow in a way that you're like, wow, who is this dude? You know, let's right. let's look into him. Let's talk to him. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, but we still do that. Yeah, this the subscription services. It's like you know, if you get a reel with me this year over the next year as something comes in uh we will just find the time to make sure it's put in i keep all my 
media. I keep all my timelines. So it's not like, oh, God, what did I do with that stuff? You know? <laughs> right. So yeah. you're that actors. There's no reason to wait. Just always whatever you have right now. It's just do the most with what you can with what you have yeah. right now in this moment. And then when you get new footage later on, um, you can you can always add to it. Um, yeah. I've done a demo that was one short or one short and one other thing. And that's better than not having something because if people hear you don't have it, I mean, yeah, there is a period where you don't have material, but if you do and you just haven't gotten it presentable yet, uh, you may not get that casting director's attention again, you know? And right. well, if, if you don't have any new footage and like, say you have a demo reel, but like you, you do need an update is it good to get an update with that same footage, maybe using like different clips from it and maybe like we can, you can mine something from it or. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends if you're happy with what you have, then you're happy with what you have. If it's getting you to work, I, I have recut existing demo reels versus being brought stuff that is entirely separate and needs to be put together. Um, and I believe and that's actually how George's, real that's in the commercial started mm -hmm. i think we added one new thing but everything else was something he had but it was how it was presented and changed uh you know we made the timing much more it, you know flow in a way that you weren't going to notice i mean that's the cool thing it's the unfortunate thing and the cool thing in editing is like you know we're doing stuff so you don't notice it you just the you know the footage fulfills its intentions whether it is presenting this actor dynamically or making a scene suspenseful or scary but, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to show the tricks, but then some people also think because they're not noticing the subtle things you've done that it's just easy, you know, and they'll just do what they want. But yeah, I did, we did his, I remember like there was one scene in an art gallery. Scene was good, but there was nothing else sound effects wise in the scene. And it felt very like they weren't done with it yet. So I like found and edited and shaped like some walla and sound effects of patrons at an art gallery. And suddenly you had like the sort of echoey, like footsteps, you know, it's like museum ambiance, very, mm. very subtle, but it suddenly made you pay that much more attention to the scene. Little things like that. Uh, I remember one shot, I played it in reverse. You wouldn't know that I've done it backwards, but it's like, it was, he was pitching something and he had a very sinister vibe in his pitch. And it was like a rack focus from like his arm to the product and the, it had been placed in a very strange part of this footage. Like the cut was abrupt and you noticed it and you don't want to be noticing the cuts. You just want mm -hmm. to. Do that. So I was able to put that in a, just a hair slightly better spot and do the reverse. And then the line of dialogue it hit on it, it the visual emphasis, it was like all the pieces were now working in unison, you know? Right. And it became a scene that he went from kind of like, I don't know what we're going to do with this to like, that needs to be in there, you know? Yeah, and and that's one of the things I think that maybe people who who aren't actors or filmmakers or especially editors don't realize is that any any film or television episode, whatever it is, they always say that it's written three times. It's written in the original script, like the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Then it's written while they do the principal shooting, what they get and don't get, or or they kind of will mold and change things while they're shooting, and then it's rewritten a third time in the the editing bay have you had experiences like that where projects from conception or from the the shooting script to the time that the final edit it, it morphed and evolved into something sort of completely different than what it was in the beginning 
Um, I don't know if I've had anything where it was like light years different. It's funny because right now I'm in Wicked Trees wrapping up a music video for a singer-songwriter who we've worked with in the past named John Presnell. Um, in my director's reel, you could see a couple of, <laughs> of lagging but beautiful clips of uh, stuff from his music videos. This one, um, we actually did a... I was almost finished with a music video and we're actually backing up and doing like a ground up recut. It, it was all done with stock footage because I can't get to the country he's in and it's just too much of a thing to put a remote production together. I mean, those things can be done, but it's, you know, it's like how much are you time and safety and whatever are you willing to spend right now? So we were telling the entire story via stock footage and like um, the, pro the companies I've subscribed to, you can get incredible fresh, stock footage content now that doesn't feel like old stock footage but we were going on very one very visual track involving like snowy landscapes and it was interesting but we weren't something was missing and we talked about like what's the song about this is what it means to me or this is what i'm feeling from watching it and i hit on now it actually tells three different visual stories the same story, but in three different ways, one involving a snowy landscape, one involving desert landscape, and one involving, you know, I probably shouldn't spoil all this stuff, but I'll say <laughs> one involving outer space. It'll get people excited. Um, so that is, was not even remotely in the plan, but that's the thing that made it come to life. Like now we're excited to, to wrap it up and share it with people. And before we were, but it, it was starting to feel like, I joked, I said it was starting to feel a bit sort of screen savory because it was just like I had about 18 shots and I was like, I can make anything work. I have total confidence that I can make this, you know, kick ass, but it just needed more. Sometimes the footage is just telling you like there has to be more. That's the only thing I can think of, which is funny, it's happening right now. That was so, that we've radically reworked it, but in doing so have kept true to what it was originally supposed to be. You know, I can't think of like say a narrative project or a documentary I've worked on where we, I have been hired to recut some short documentary pieces, but I still kept the spirit and the tone of what had happened before. It was just how it was done and, and maybe with a little uh, more of a serious tone and, and made the scenes more about a specific group of people versus the person who was directing it. Nice. I guess in a way I have done that to ground up, but, um, I don't know. I think I've answered your question. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the lesson is when in doubt, add some space. Is that how you uh, jazz things up a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just time and space and make it longer. No, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's different, uh, but it's, yeah. I'm sure there are people who have had more say radical recuts of things, but sometimes you have to make it one way to realize it needed to be another way, you know, right. footage will tell you the more you, breathe with it and live with it and sculpt it nice well we're gonna start steering this ship back towards harbor here but i have a, a question for you uh relating specifically to actors yeah. as as an editor you've you've seen so much footage you've uh, you've probably been staring at actors faces for hours and hours and hours where maybe you, did, you weren't even on set and you're just getting the footage but in working with so much footage and seeing so many performances, is there any tips or, or actor advice that you can give to actors that will help them ensure that they don't themselves end up on the cutting room floor? Little tips, errors, um, com common things that you see that are just like, ah, if they hadn't done that, I'd be able to use this. Like, mm -hmm. You know, I actually don't know if I can do that advice. I would say that's more of a, 
thing the filmmakers need to be doing. Every actor, I, I, I've not watched demo footage where I'm like, oh God, how am I going to make this, you know, garbage right. sing? You know, like, like right, right, I, right. I've been blessed to have very talented people come to me. Uh, and then just sometimes just the footage needs a little bit of a push or an enhancement, or it just needs to be in the right time and space place to show off everything these people are bringing. I, I wouldn't put it down to the performances. I think it's more like the, you know, the filmmakers. Yeah. There's a million things that happen. You know, you have to cut shots. Time is tough. It, it's hard, you know, but loving the actor and doing whatever you can to make them comfortable and serve them so they can serve you is, is really important. And I feel like that can be more about the cutting room floor, but sometimes I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily personal. Like I was reading an interview with Gary Oldman a day or two ago, like the film he directed mill by mouth. And like, he, he was really gracious. He made copies of the footage of the actors who got cut out of the movie, sent them the finished scenes. And with a note being like, look, you did everything you were you're supposed, you know, you were wonderful. The reason you're not in it has nothing to do with your performance. It's more like we have to serve this larger story and it has to be told this specific way. And sometimes you don't figure that out. It's just kind of like what we were previously talking about. Right. Like you're cutting it, you know, and you're like, you know what, this, we can, you know, sometimes you can make a running time longer and then the film feels swifter, you know, or like sometimes you have to take out an entire subplot and, because the main plot is you don't need that other one. And sometimes you don't figure that out until you're editing. Right. Um, right. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything I would say that an actor needs to do to improve their performance because they do hard work. It's just, everyone needs to show up to support them right. um, on set and in post. And just, you know, I've worked with actors. I love actors and it, and it helps to love them and what they're doing and not just, and, you know, and really study performance and really, this is great because I can watch the same scene 45 times because I need to, to figure out the best way to present it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and learn your lines, kids. Like, I don't know what to say. I, I don't, right. I don't put on the actor like that, you know? Right, right, right. Well, one, one advice that I've heard too is, is um, to kind of not worry about what happens after the day. It's like our job is on the day between action and cut and yeah. that's, that's mm -hmm. your job. So nothing. You, that, yeah, nothing you do that work. And then the rest is you hope that everyone sees it, you know, and, and as honoring it the best way they, they can with the time and resources they have, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It is out of your hands. It's like, you know, that, that scene that you're we're psyched to get from that show that's going to come out it may still be in there and they may use it use the setup you like the least, you know? Right. And right. then there's nothing we can do, but it could still, you may still find a cool way to have it in there. Cause it's like, yeah, look, at, I'm working with Aquaman, you know? Yeah. I, I will say, and I've been guilty of this, all the actors out there, I'm, I'm sure you, you may have run into this, but <laughs> continuity of like little things, like if you're taking, uh, uh, especially like eating sometimes is a nightmare or anything physical with props, if you were ever like lifting it with your right hand and then in a scene you forgot and did it with your left hand or or even right down to in the middle of a scene, you basically have to take that drink on the same line or on the same beat that you do every single time. Otherwise, the editor might get to a point where your best take, they can't use it because it just doesn't doesn't flow. So I would say my, my advice to actors is just really pay attention to continuity. And I know that looking at footage from Oh Yuck, that Lou Handy um, footage, 
-hmm. I made a lot of continuity errors there when I saw it. They were very, very subtle and they were able to cut around them. But then in thinking back, I was like, oh, shit, I need to be a little more careful about that. And sometimes it's hard to be like, did I pick that up with my left hand or my right hand? Or especially when there's multiple props. And that show was very physical for me, too. So I was always doing kind of wacky physical things. Right. And then yeah. I'd have to remember, like, OK, was that right hand? And then I threw it to my left hand and then I and then I spun around this way. <laughs> like, so I think that's sometimes uh, uh, an issue that I'm sure editors that drives you crazy sometimes with continuity where you see things and you're just like, I can't even use this now. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what it is or how broad it is. I know what you're saying, like you have some serious movements versus, say, just doing like that with, you know, like or that yeah. you know, like, that's subtle and then we can find a way around it. Um, but you also don't want to be a robot, you know, like right. you, you need to right. just be and serve the scene. And right. editors can often find ways around stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, of course, it would be best to keep things the same. Um, but even as an editor, I've found like my wife and I will watch stuff and she's got an incredible eye for continuity. She will notice when the drink is this different and <laughs> cigarettes changed or the hands up and then the hands down. And I won't notice because, right. you know, and even as an editor, sometimes just the way the scene is flowing, it gets past me, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, all in part of training is trying to keep track of all those things and also not let props and actions distract from what you're trying to do in the scene right um so we all just try to make it all work as best we can nice brandon you got a question uh, regarding uh dream projects yeah yeah adam what is your dream project and what do you aspire to create and why oh wow okay it's funny like just ultimate like pie in the sky dream yeah okay. ultimate ultimate goal Okay. I, I mean, I wouldn't say this is like the top goal, but if we were going to talk something big, like I'm developing a couple of features of different sizes and it feels like every year you try to make them at a bit of a smaller size so they can actually be made. <laughs> we talk pie in the sky. Like I was a huge, I'm, I'm definitely a sci-fi dork. Um, and I grew up on the series of books written by John Christopher in like the sixties and the seventies is known as the tripods trilogy. It's, it takes place in the future, but it feels like it's taking place in like like the 1600s at first. And it's a future Earth where all technology is gone. Uh, there is, and everyone is living sort of like a farm feudal life with the exception of these giant metallic machines, tripods that are constantly patrolling the land. Uh, when people become 14 years old, they are implanted with a device in their skull called a cap, which they think is like a right of manhood, but it's actually something that takes away like creativity, initiative, drive, and anything that could make you stand up and be like, no, this isn't right. We're being ruled, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there's a trilogy of these books of like these kids who escape and find an area of free men who uh, are fighting against this, who realize what had happened to the earth like a hundred years prior. And they did a, they used to do like, it was a Boy Scout magazine in the 80s or 90s called Boy's Life that did a comic serial of this. Mm -hmm. And then in the 80s, the BBC did a big budget at the time, but now it looks a little hokey TV show of it. And they never quite finished it. But the the I've always been obsessed with like conformity versus anti-conformity and the individual against like the broader whole. All yeah. that I have a lot of scripts and stories of any size that that shows up in. Yeah, a lot of it stems from reading those books as a kid, 
And they've tried, I think Disney may have the rights right now, but they, they've tried to relaunch that as, as big budget movies or a big budget series in the past. And the last time I heard anything about it was maybe like 2014. So it's just never come together. But yeah, if I had to just do like, say, pie in the sky, like bigger Hollywood things, I would adapt that Tripods trilogy for a modern audience. Cool. Well, there we put it out into the universe right there. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd as well. I, I've been trying to work on a script uh, called The Wretched Joanna, which is, uh, it was based on a D&D campaign my my roommate did. Uh-huh. And basically the whole thing is like, they ram their ship into everywhere they go because like the, the face of the ship is named after his ex-girlfriend who crushed his heart. <laughs> so I've always wanted to do like space pirates with like this like giant statue of a woman and then just keep ramming it into things. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get it done. This is what we do here. We turn dreams into reality here at Laughing Valley. Exactly. So now that it's in the universe. Um, Brandon, you want to share, uh, you got a, a, some, a quote for us here. You want to share something? I do. So every week I like to do a quote to inspire your week. This comes from actors, filmmakers, pretty much anywhere. And so today I picked a quote from Spike Lee, who I'm a huge fan of. He, he is a director and writer of several different films. Look him up. He's amazing. And the quote for this week is, I think people who have faults are a lot more interesting than people who are perfect. And I think this is a great quote for this week because we, we get a lot of actors that come in to do auditions that want things to be quote unquote right or quote unquote perfect. And mm-hmm. it's not that, that that really makes the audition or the role yours. It's your imperfections that make the role and the make the different choices that you make unique. And so I, I just want people to remember that nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. We learn from those mistakes. And the more we learn from those mistakes, the stronger and the better you'll become. Nice. Yeah, that um, that sort of reminds me of one of our acting coaches, Tom Todoroff, that we do the weekly um, the weekly Zoom sessions with. He talks a couple things. He talks about how St- Stella Adler always used to say, "No, no film or movie or or any play happens on an ordinary day." But he also <laughs> talks about how, in our lives, we want things to be smooth and not. You don't want too much conflict. Like if you're in a nice Zen Buddhist meditative state, that's kind of great. Everything's happy. But on film or as a character, you want conflict, conflict, conflict. You want your emotions to be up and down. You want big <laughs> moments, small moments. So. You want that uh, tumultuous kind of character life, whereas in our regular lives, we want everything to be cool and kind of hunky-dory and no big deal. Mm-hmm. Everything is good. But on film, you you want that conflict and you want to go to those extremes too. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Thank you. Um, now, Adam, to yeah. close, close things out here, uh, under the theme of turning delusions to reality, uh, what advice would you give to the dreamers out there who are aspiring to get into filmmaking uh, and how to turn their delusions and dreams into reality? Um, okay, I would say two things. One, don't wait. <laughs> you can very easily get into like a thing, especially like your teens and 20s where, uh, you know, you've got time. You've got time. Do you? You know, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Um, 
And that doesn't mean, you know, you just have to slap out as many scripts and features as you can by 20 and desperately try to get a rent. So I mean, like learn your craft, but don't wait uh, in a way I, like, and this is my second thing. I would say like the ins inspiration is going to come from doing. I wasted a lot of years because I thought the way my creative process worked was every once in a while I would get inspired and then I would, you know, do whatever that is. Um, and then you'd wait a long effing time for the next time that you just suddenly had that sort of sugar rush of inspiration out of the blue. And I didn't even realize until maybe 10 years ago, 11 years ago, that you can generate your own inspiration by doing the work. And it may be a real, you know, you may have a kernel of an idea and it may feel like a freaking slog for a long time. And then all of a sudden you're excited about it and the ideas just keep coming and coming and then it comes together. Um, and I feel like I wasted a lot of years waiting for inspiration versus creating it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so get busy and stay busy. And, you know, it, yeah, I, you know, deal with the doubts and anxieties and stuff. And, you know, it, there's a peacefulness in a way in staying in one place and not rocking the boat, but it's also going to lead to this sort of real low grade unhappiness. And, you know, you just need to go and work and make beautiful mistakes and, you'll get happiness from the progress, even if you hit bumps on the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's amazing advice. I think all of us as humans really at all levels, we're happiest when we are creating and when we're making things, whether it's art or sandwich, we're, we're just, we're, we're, we're creators. And I think that's also why you hear um, like something like the artist's way doing morning papers or anyone getting the habit of just, just write a page or two a day because you start tapping into that flow state and then magic magical things happen rather than sort of the old saying of waiting for all the lights to turn green before you leave your house like you don't you, you don't really need to see the whole plan you just need to see the next step right in front of your face and then start doing it so yeah that's great advice thank you so much um now for those listeners be sure to like comment subscribe if you uh if you screenshot the episode Tag us on social media, tag three actor, comedian, creator friends, and we'll throw some freebies your way, free comedy albums, free audition sessions, free acting workshops. Um, and don't forget the uh, the special, the Wicked Tree demo reel uh, special. If you go to laughingvikings.com slash join, you'll see it as part of our membership package where you can get $150 off a demo reel package with Wicked Tree, or you can just go straight to Adam at Wicked Tree Creative. Uh, we've got his Instagram handles linked up um, and just let him know that Laughing Viking sent you and he'll hook you up with that deal and help you out with your next demo reel. So thank you so much, Adam, for being here. Thanks, We're ready to close this up, yeah? Yeah, thank you, Adam. Thank Goodbye, you so much. Guys. Great to see you. And um, hopefully we'll see each other on set in uh, in real life one of these days, maybe making your dream project together. It would be rad. Hopefully not yeah. faces like this behind class. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week in May. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Uh, but before we go, just so that you remember, tune in next week, May 3rd, when we talk to comedian and actor Chris Robinson. Nice. Yes. Chris, is a, he's a regular here at Laughing Vikings. He's a member, amazing stand-up comedian, amazing actor. Uh, and we're excited to see him. So make sure you hit us back here Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch, or uh, follow us on all the podcast platforms. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week. Nailed it. <laughs>